Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From AccuWeather, this is everything under the sun. Real news and real stories covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist Dean DeVore. Welcome in, friends. Episode 11 of 2023 in our series of Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Getting ready to change the calendar over to April. And that means we are in the heart of spring flooding season. Now, I know a lot of you don't live necessarily next to a flooding tributary like a stream, creek, or river. But those that do certainly have this time of year in mind. And we do have some flooding concerns. California, the upper Midwest and northern plains. Not so much in the northeast this year because of lack of snow. We'll talk to one of our experts at AccuWeather, meteorologist Alex Sosnowski, who's been watching river flooding since he had an experience up close and personal when he was a teenager back home in northeast Pennsylvania. And we'll also talk about weather history with our friend Evan Myers. Friends, sit back and relax. It's time to talk about everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. While floods can happen any times, the spring season is primarily susceptible because we have a combination many times of strong weather scenarios and systems that will create the potential for heavy amounts of rain on top of what is, at the time, a lot of melting snow and areas, and that combination can create major problems. Over the last 50 years, floods have generally become larger in streams and rivers across large parts of the northeast and midwest, and the magnitude of flooding has generally decreased out west and southern Appalachia in northern Michigan. Meanwhile, large floods have become more frequent across the Northeast, Pacific Northwest, and especially in the northern Great Plains, where we can have some problems here this year. So we wanted to talk about this a little bit because we're getting right into the heart of this spring flooding season with a gentleman who I've uh, known now for about 30 years and my 25 years here at AccuWeather, and even before that. His name is Alex Sosnowski. He's our senior meteorologist. You can read him on AccuWeather.com, and he appears on our network often, and he is a person who really knows knows this stuff and watches it from year to year and has a great handle on it. And there's a big reason why. We welcome Alex Sosnowski into Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. One of the things in my 25 years here at AccuWeather that has impressed me is that because of things that have happened in a lot of our past as meteorologists, it kind of gives us a focus to some weather phenomenons that not everybody has a good handle on. And unless you live by a major tributary, the spring flooding season isn't necessarily something that immediately pops into your mind. But those who do live near major tributaries, it's a big part of their life. And Alex Sosnowski came to Penn State a few years before I did. I think, didn't Alex, you get here in the early, uh, late 70s, early 80s, I, right? I graduated in 83. Right. So you got you graduated just as I was getting here. So that means during Agnes... Tropical, well, her, uh, Agnes, you were in your early teens, right, there in, in Northeast Pennsylvania? Correct, correct. So 
I was about six or seven as Agnes came through. I lived down in Lancaster near the Susquehanna, about six miles from the Susquehanna. So that was a traumatic experience for me, all the flooding we had. And I know for the folks in Wilkes-Barre in Northeast Pennsylvania, Agnes and his flooding uh, was right. certainly traumatic. Oh, and yeah, I think Alex... changing for many people. Yeah, life-changing, right? And mm-hmm. so... To me, I mean, I'm just surmising here, but is that something that kind of got you then into being one of the best? And I'm going to say it. That was one of the linchpins for me. Yeah, I think you are in our in our company, one of the best experts on this uh, because you followed it and looked at it. and, And it's and it's you know, there's patterns to it. There's ways to talk about it and forecast it. And every season's different. So as we're we're, we're coming through now, we're getting into the heart of this season for a lot of folks, especially in the Midwest where all that runoff has to go. And and I wanted to talk to you about where we are with that because it's a whole different situation than we were talking about in some things last year. But, you know, those life-changing situations, don't you find that as we look around at our meteorologists here at AccuWeather, that those are the kinds of things that shape our interests? Yeah, it's always on our mind for sure. You know, when, when you're when you're emerging from the wind and going into the spring, it's always in the back of your mind, regardless of how mild manner the winter might be, and uh, uh, even as as lame as the start of the spring might be, you're always thinking about that. And if you live along a river or stream, it's always in the back of your mind. Uh, maybe not uh, first and foremost every year, because every year is different. Uh, right. It, these rivers and streams don't flood every year, but you can kind of handpick out when there's major flood flood years, other years where there's minor problems, and you just you could just deal with those pretty easily, but when you have a major flood potential, uh, that's where you got to kind of plan ahead. And we're we're kind of looking at two areas, I think, this spring where there's where there's a risk of major flooding. And those areas are one is California because of the tremendous amount Surely. of snow that's in the Sierra Nevada. Uh, even a gradual meltdown of that snow, I think, is going to lead to some high water issues for the short run rivers that come out of the Sierra Nevada, and then. They tend to spill out onto the Sacramento River and the San Joaquin River. Uh, so there's going to be episodes of high water there that they're going to have to deal with that they haven't seen yet. They've had some heavy rain events to deal with this with this meltdown. Right. The snow is still locked up in the mountains now. But we had <laughs> much lower snow levels with a couple of these storms than we've seen in hundreds of years so there was actually we were talking about maybe having two melt situations the lower elevation melt that would come down sooner are we into that out in the west and then we're still tapping in later on to the higher elevation snow that's locked in we've kind of chewed into those lower elevation snows already i think it's because we've had some we've had some some higher snow levels after those big events so we've already kind of chewed into some of that uh, there's always a risk if you get like a sudden surge of warm air and a big rainstorm. Uh, now, we don't see that in the short term, but there's always that risk that something pops up on the horizon out over the Pacific and rolls in. So it's a wild card. But right. I think even if there's just a mild routine melting because there's so much snow up there that you're going to have you know periodic high water events uh, to deal with that. The other area we're watching, and I know Paul's team is is, is on both of these areas here. That's Paul Pasolak, our long range uh, long forecast range, uh, long director. Range gang, yep. We call him. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they're they're looking at this stuff like a hawk, and uh, they're kind of outlining the the Red River of the North. 
there's a red river that that flows between Texas and Oklahoma. Right. It's the one we're we're focusing on here. That river flows from from south to north, kind of like the rivers do in Siberia. So what tends to happen there is the southern the headwaters of the river tends to thaw out first, the snow melts first, and then it flows northward into Ooh. the frozen zones. And then sometimes if all that melts at the same time, you can have big problems. Well, that can kind of happen this year. It doesn't happen every year. Uh, and the terrain there is very flat. So when you get water in those farm fields, it tends to lay around for a long time. Now, they've upped, they've upped the, the, the flood mitigation along that river. It tends to protect the major communities. But uh, you got the, the secondary farmlands, the outlying areas that, that aren't protected as well. So once that water gets in there, it, it may take a long time to get out. And uh, I'm kind of getting a little concerned about the northern Mississippi, too. North had, of St. Louis? Uh, north of St. Louis, yeah. It, it's pretty much north of St. Louis. When we talk about the northern Mississippi, it, it, that's pretty much where we're talking about. North of, where the, north of where the Illinois River comes in. That, I think, is another zone. It's, 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 don't, don't forget now that the Mississippi is still emerging from these ultra-low levels that we had. Yeah, I was going to say this is this is like stark contrast to last year. Last year, we were worried in the Mississippi River Basin, especially from St. Louis southward, of traumatically low levels that were in in our time of need trying to get out of the the pandemic. They weren't allowing uh, the traffic of the barges to go. And we said that would turn around well ahead of time. It was going to turn around late this winter, which it is. We're 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 above that that minimum threshold, so we the barge traffic is returning to normal. But it, it, there may be a period here where it goes the other way on on the northern part of the Mississippi, at least. Uh, I think there's going to at least be moderate flooding north of St. Louis, and there, there's there could be some spots where there's some major flooding to deal with, and that's because they've had tremendous amount of snow from the Dakotas to northern Minnesota, northern Michigan uh, this winter. It's well above average. It looks like one area that's going to get the break this year is because we just did not have a lot of snow, and that's the Northeast. And so most of the Northeast, more than most of the Northeast, far interior parts of New England got hit hard, and there right. will be some. We and there we will see be some that. minor secondary river flooding, right? Especially typical, ice jam flooding as we get out of this winter. So. Spring stuff, yeah, but not anything worries. too major. And so I don't think so. The Susquehanna, right. the Delaware, I don't think this year. There's just we just don't have the snowpack. Now, there's always a wild card that we get some kind of stalled front and tremendous rainstorm. And as always, along the East Coast, you got to watch the tropical season, too. But that's that's we're getting ahead of ourselves there. But along the Ohio uh, and, and the lower Mississippi, the tributaries of the Ohio, you have to watch. There's going to be episodes of high water. We had one of those uh, early this week from all the from the heavy rain that occurred, the, 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 the tributaries of the Ohio and middle Mississippi. Uh, they came up pretty good, uh, and there was incidents of minor and moderate flood flooding with that. And I think we're going to see that up and down going on moving forward this spring as we continue to get some bouts of heavy rain. You always have to, if, if you get again, if you get a stalled system in there or a series of systems back to back to back where you don't have enough separation in between them, that's when you can start to run into more major issues. There's been enough separation that the big rainstorms have been coming like five to seven days apart so that it's able to run off the river systems absorb it uh they cycle up they cycle down and and you almost have to start over uh, although the ground is still kind of wet between each one so we got to watch that area too that's that's a potential wild card i think there's going to be episodes of moderate flooding we're talking with senior meteorologist alex sasnowski you can see his work um 
just about every day on our AccuWeather.com website. Uh, I know you talked about this kind of stuff for the network just within the last week, too. So you can see him on our AccuWeather network over 30 years of communicating the weather to folks. And, and, and I think Alex does have that great sense of seeing things in the future. So, you know, we've been concentrating on the flooding Anything else from your perspective, Alex, that folks need to think about here as we go headlong into spring? Any other weather uh, kind of situations well, that you would kind of get people alerted to here over the next couple of weeks? As we've seen last year, despite the overall low river levels on, on the Ohio and the Mississippi, you still have these very localized, intense rainfall events. Mm. More and more uh, of them every, still every always year, in right? play, yeah. you, know, you, know, you know, whether you, know, you can make the debate about climate change, whatever. I don't want to get into that now. But you know, as you turn up the, the atmospheric temperature, you increase the moisture, potential moisture available, uh, and you increase the chances of those extreme localized events uh, where you can have you know, disastrous flooding. That's, that's still in play just about every season now. Yeah, we've seen Tennessee, Kentucky, those areas with these, uh, yeah. especially when we get into this time of year with the, you know, the surge of moisture and then the severe thunderstorm and the lines of training thunderstorms. These are the the times of year when you're you got uh, all kinds of uh, issues and pressures and that added uh, onto it that can and can certainly cause some problems. The other thing to me is um, not only with the flooding that you're talking about in California, but some of the other problems that we're seeing across the country, I think um, weather and the ability to plant the crops here coming soon and then getting them harvested over the next several months, we're going to see some problems continuing to mount up uh, with inflation being led by problems with being able to grow uh, rightly as 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 easily as as we have in some scenarios because of all these problems. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think one of the areas where we're going to have some agricultural issues is going to be in the Dakotas along the Red River where we talked about that. In California, I, I think the the flooding may be contained closely to those more closely to those rivers as okay. long as the levees hold. Uh, I, I think California is going to bounce back pretty strong. And California's prominence in in the vegetable market, the world vegetable market, will take over, and a lot of this other stuff will tend to stabilize across the globe. But I, I think for the most part, the flooding in in the Ohio and Lower Mississippi basins there is is going to be generally contained moving forward this spring. There's always going to be localized problems, but uh, the farmers are, are a very resilient bunch, and you'd be surprised how quickly they can bounce back, uh, you know, as long as they get, get, the, get the assistance they need. You know, as someone who, I think you even more than myself, I mean, flooding is scary for folks who aren't trained, and, and even those of us that are trained, because the thing is, there are times where, it, there are so many variables into how much or how high these river stages will go. You know, you, you you underestimate the rainfall by an inch or two in one area, and you might underestimate the amount of flooding in that certain area. Um, right. And then and then the scariness of the times when you just it just keeps rising and you don't know when it's going to stop. I mean, this is one of those things that I think. We're getting better information than, say, 10, 15, 20 years ago in terms of monitoring and, and predicting this. But there's still a lot to learn in river forecasting and stages in that. Do you agree? Yeah. And there's, we're always getting better new information into these systems that we have. And, you know, they're they're getting better at doing the levees. But, you know, a levee, anytime you raise the barrier up above the, the water level, uh, you're you're at risk for a levee failure. They're not they're not foolproof. They're not a hundred percent guarantee. 
so my advice is if you live in a flood flood plain, not many. I mean, if you have a mortgage, if you're in a flood plain, you pretty much have to have flood insurance. Right. But if you're one of the few people that are able to buy properties outright, I would strongly recommend getting flood insurance because I can tell you back in Wyoming Valley in 1972, there was there was only a handful of people that actually had flood insurance. So those people had to bear the burden. The burden. You lose everything. You lose everything. So it's you don't want to be in that position. Nope, you do not. Alex, thank you so much for your hard work on this specific topic and everything else you do for AccuWeather and AccuWeather.com. We appreciate your help today. My pleasure. Again, you can catch Alex's work extensively on AccuWeather.com and also our AccuWeather Network. And Alex, over his 30 years here, has done some broadcasting, too. So you might hear him on one of our radio stations from time to time. We thank Alex. When we come back, we're going to look at the weather and history. We like to talk about where the weather has influenced and even changed historical events. We'll talk about that with Evan Myers coming up next on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com as we roll on here in Episode 11. As you know, if you've been listening, we've been getting some frequent visits from our weather and history expert, Evan Myers. And we're going to do that again here as we turn the calendar to April this weekend. We're going to look at an event that happened on April 4th, 1933. Many of you know about the Hindenburg disaster. Did you know that there was another lighter-than-airship disaster that happened even before that? Evan Myers joins me on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Evan, good to have you with us. Uh, let's go back to the early 1930s. Um, and this is, you know... In 90 some, years ago. 90 years ago. Good to be with you, Dean, by it, the way. It is good. I, I, I love good these conversations. I do, too. Especially when we're talking about something like this, because, you know, airships... Dirigibles, lighter, dirigibles. lighter, yes, dirigibles, dirigibles lighter, lighter than airships right? because they were, you know, they floated they, in the air. They were prominent in World War, towards the end of World War One, as and, observation right. things and so on. Yeah, and so, um, and then they became kind of a, a an anomaly in the United States. A lot of promotion using them to to do stuff. So, you know, all of us in our collective probably have the Hindenburg disaster in our minds, but that was 1937. This is four years before that with an airship called the Akron. Tell us a little bit about it. Why don't we go back, though, a little bit farther than that and talk about balloons? Okay. Uh, because that, balloons, as you said, have been lighter than airships for all kinds of things, Have been used were used as observation platforms even in the Civil War. Yes. So those 
Those were just, were hot air balloons, so right. they would heat up Go the air up and inside, down, basically, and, not a lot of movement laterally. Well, and also they were they were just they were they were allowed to rise because you heated the air inside, and so warmer air right. is lighter. Yes, uh, it expands, so yes. it's lighter than cold air. Cold air goes down more to the surface; it's denser, so that allowed them to to rise sure. but if something went wrong if the balloons caught on fire if they went they, they went down, <laughs> down quickly and they went down fast so these lighter these dirigible these lighter net were you they used gas okay and uh so that allowed them to control it a little bit more and then they had propellers on them right uh, later and so they were used for long distance flights because the fact is that you couldn't if if, if you were going to go across the atlantic ocean for example if you're going to go across the united states for example it would have to if in an airplane you'd have to make well the atlantic ocean you couldn't stop but across the u.s you'd have to stop so many different times but this allowed you to make long flights. And the, the Hindenburg... Because which, you were using the power of the air in the atmosphere as in addition to... Well, you had had the gas. Right, right And right. so you didn't need to refuel and fill it up with but gas I'm also aviation fuel. You were also using the upper level winds to travel in those situations to too. You. Right, I, I, right. Yeah. I, absolutely. But you could go... But you could go against the grain if, sure. if, you, if you needed to because you did have the propellers. Gotcha. So these were used with the sometimes very elaborate... Uh, superstructure underneath uh, for all kinds of cabins, almost like a like a luxury liner, like a cruise liner, you know, right? almost exactly. right. Yeah. So and so they floated through the air, but because they were filled with gas, they were really uh, there. There were there was the potential for a lot lots of trouble, and. But we kept trying to do it anyway. We right. Kept trying to use because it sounds like a good anyway. idea and it looks cool, right? You right. Know? Except that they kept they just kept problems, blowing up. Right. Yeah. yeah. They, they would catch on fire, and probably the first early one that caused the problem was the one we want to talk about, and that is the Akron airship disaster, and that did occur on April fourth of nineteen thirty three. And and that was a problem. And then ultimately there would be additional ones after that, the USS or the US Shenandoah, and certainly the one uh the the, the Hindenburg disaster, Lakehurst, New Jersey in nineteen thirty seven. That was a German airship. Mm-hmm. And there was talk of sabotage because the Nazis controlled Germany by that time and there was but in a study that was done, it really looked like it was because it had rain there mm-hmm. and there were wet wires that went down and so the electric was an electrical charge and so yeah. on. that was probably the most most likely but it's it's ironic so that that's the most famous one but the Akron it's interesting on April 4th 1933 it broke apart uh, off the coast of New Jersey and it was actually seen by the crew of a German merchant ship so the oh, German wow, wow. German the German Titan, yeah. and it, it it sunk into the ocean uh the accident left 73 people dead only three survivors oh, wow. from that and as and as we just talked about you know the the days of the lighter than airships continued for a few more years but really the hindenburg uh was was kind of the end of it and then planes got airplanes got large bigger they were able to carry more fuel jets and, and, versus propellers well and, and yeah. as we got into the beginning of world war ii which followed uh, very shortly after this the planes were much bigger and could could go longer distances. You're right. The jet aircraft, which again is interesting, was pioneered by the Germans. Believe it or not, in World War II, they invented jet aircraft, but started to produce them very late in the war, and so they weren't that much of a factor. Uh, but that brought on a whole new level of travel. And by the nineteen late 1950s, uh, people 
Average people were jetting all over the world. Right. So this happened right over the coast of New Jersey? It did. It uh, did. Barnegat, uh, Barnegat Light, New Jersey, right it, there? Exactly yeah. right. On the coast of New Jersey, uh, uh, down, uh, actually not far from Lakehurst, right. where, where the Hindenburg right. disaster. That's another weird well, thing. You know, the, well, the interesting thing is that because of the, uh, of the location and the fact that thunderstorms are somewhat more prominent there yeah. and the, the lightning, the thunder storms can and that's hit, not good hit. that's not good for gas in the air no right? no, no, <laughs> it, no it's not it's not good for airplanes right. really either so so that was an issue there as well here's another interesting irony this airship was the akron yes. akron ohio home of goodyear is now where airships some of them are housed well, for we, the goodyear we, blimp we called the right we called them the blimp and that's how we started talking about this the fact is uh, the advertising how the goodyear blimp would go here mm-hmm. and there and certainly that was a big deal back in the 60s with the what would the blimp show up it's over your a, over your football stadium it's still a big deal i think well, people get get really excited when the blimp shows up so. well, well there's there's certainly a lot different than <laughs> um than, yeah. than, than, than it's, airplanes it's not a so cruise on. liner and it's no. just basically a, a large advertising with uh, all that uh, writing and stuff. It Interesting is. stuff. April 4th, 1933, the Akron airship disaster. That'll do it for episode 11. Thanks to our guests, senior meteorologist Alice Kisnowski. Again, you can catch him on AccuWeather.com with all of the information that he writes on all the stories about the weather that impacts you and your life. And thanks again to Evan Myers. He'll be checking in again later this month with some more weather and history tidbits. For all of us at AccuWeather.com, we thank you for listening. Our hundreds of team members are working hard every day to weatherproof your life through our AccuWeather apps on the Android or Apple systems or on our website, AccuWeather.com, where you can get AccuWeather Now, which is a streaming service of our over-the-air network that is apparent and available on cable systems and over-the-air systems and streaming systems all across the nation. We invite you to join us again next week. We'll talk more about where the weather meets your life, weather in the economy, weather in astronomy, weather in gardening, weather in sports. It will all be under the umbrella of everything under the sun. For our executive producers, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, I'm your host, Dean DeVore. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at AccuWeather.podcast at AccuWeather.com. 